Welcome to the You Have a Body podcast. Two broads talking broadly about health. The physical, the emotional, the nitty-gritty, and the fun. Real thoughts on real health. The information provided within this podcast is not designed to and does not provide medical advice, professional diagnosis, opinion, treatment, or services to you or any other individual and is intended for general information for educational purposes only. Welcome to You Have a Body Podcast, episode 56, Sweat and Body Odor. Yeah, <laughs> sweat and stink. Yeah, sweat and stink. It's so nice to have you all joining us on the podcast today. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Hannah Whitevin, owner of Soul Kind of Fitness and Wellness. And with me as always, Lucia Hawley, nutritional therapy practitioner and owner of EssentialOmnivore.com. And with us as always is the adorable Petey McTavish, 10 pounds of squishy delight, who is currently exhaustedly sleeping in the most precarious position <laughs> It's like you made him like do a doggy triathlon earlier today. And yeah. He's just done. For he the actually day. has no reason to be tired. He just can't. Well, it's his job. Yeah, he just can't <laughs> with the world right now. He's tired because Trump. Am I right, America? Oh God. Sure, sure are. Where do you even start with that? Yeah. Where do you start? Well, let's start with this. How was your week? Week was um. <laughs> so. When we recorded last week, I didn't say, we record on Thursdays, and I didn't say that last Wednesday, I got food poisoning. <gasps> what? You seem so normal on Thursday. I, I felt like I could get through it, and then... Mm, and then you went home and just vomited your brains out. <laughs> you know, it, it hasn't been vomit, and I'll just leave it at that, and it's been intense. It's been more, you know what, actually, like, it was intense for a couple of days, but then after that, my appetite has been gone, mm. and for me, my appetite is like... My shadow. It's always there. Yep. So when I don't have an appetite, I know either I'm really sick or there's something really wrong. Yeah. So finally, like as of last night, I had like a, a normal sized meal. But like of the three meals a day, every day, day in, day out, Mm-mm. I've been having maybe one meal a day oh, and just no. water. So oh, it's been God. it's been fine, except it's been food poison. And what got me was raw cabbage. No. Yeah. I eat so much raw cabbage. I did too on Wednesday. And what was it? Had it, it, had it gone sour? It was old. But could you smell it or no? It No, it seemed fine. Like peeled back the leaves or like the outer leaves and like it had it had been cabbage that was up at a cabin for weeks. I did so, not buy the cabbage. I brought mm. it home and was like, let me tend to you and eat you. And I'll like, it won't waste any food. That's tragic. Yeah. You were trying to do something so right. I know. And yet it was so wrong. It was so wrong. I'm lucky because I haven't had food poisoning. I don't remember the last time I've had food poisoning, so that's oh, cool. But the now- last time I had it, <laughs> I was at work. I was working as a teacher. I had eaten something, and like halfway through the day, I was like, mm, I feel a little weird. And then halfway through a class, I threw up in the trash can. And I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to go ahead and call in a sub. <laughs> called the office. I was like, I have to go. I just threw my trash can. They were like, okay. I started driving home, and I was, like, rapid fire vomiting in my car into my lap. No. It was did terrible. You have, did you have something in your lap to catch it? Or is no, this your No, my lap? pants. Yeah. <laughs> because I was driving home, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to vomit. I was on the highway, and I'm just, like, projectile vomiting onto my steering wheel. And then I, like get finally get home and I'm just like puking everywhere Hannah no I know and I crawl out of the car and into my house and like into the shower 
And then I was completely bedridden for more like bathroom ridden yeah. for two days. Yeah. And then I went outside to my car. <laughs> oh no. Two days, two full days later. And I was still so weak. Yeah. And I was like drinking a ton of water and I went out to my car and I was like, oh my God. So I wore like these old sweatpants and old sweatshirt and got in my car and drove to the um, car wash. And I was like, I spilled something in here. And they were like, you don't have to lie to us. <laughs> I was like, we know. Okay. So they cleaned it. It cost me like $175 or something for them to clean it out. Yeah. But it's I, like you had to though. Otherwise, I couldn't do it myself. You can't just like drive around in the puke mobile. No, and Old I physically puke. couldn't do it myself. I was too weak at that point, and I like couldn't imagine dragging a vacuum outside and like <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. Oh well, I lucked out. I didn't have that happen. Okay, yeah, okay. I feel like mine pale comparison. It. It's just like it's been lasting. Like that appetite. Like I don't even. I said something earlier to someone. I was like, I don't even know my gut bacteria anymore, and that mm. makes my heart hurt. That's so sad for how much I feel like I know those little bugs in there. Yeah, <laughs> they've yeah. changed. You need some probiotics to get you back on track. Yeah, I do, and not sauerkraut. Nope. <laughs> wow, you're never gonna eat cabbage again. Also, ca- oh, okay, I shouldn't even say that. What but cabbage coming up the wrong way is like, yeah, just looking in the toilet and seeing like a bunch of threads. <laughs> Gross. Stop. Ugh. I feel like I could say one more thing, but I won't. Oh, you know what she's talking about, though. Comes out both sides. Okay. Okay. We, well, should, have I, a, we should have an episode about puke. Yeah, we really should. Be- oh, I could totally talk about puke. People who <laughs> work out so hard that they vomit. Yeah, I want to hear totally about that. totally talk about that. Happens all the time, and maybe it shouldn't. Has Is it happened to you? Well, should I save that for the episode? I'll save it for the episode. I'll preview it. Yes, once. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, but I think, yeah. Yeah, anyway. All right, well, let's, uh, well, you know what? My week, did you want to ask me about it? I, I do want to ask you about it. Hannah, how was your week? Fine. It was fine. <laughs> the, um, you know, it's um the Thursday after Charlottesville, mm-hmm. which now will just forever be known as Charlottesville. Yep. And I think this week has been really hard on everyone trying to navigate what to do I mean like people of color have known for a long time that there are neo-nazis and I think white people have known it too but now it's in our face that this is a problem that is on a larger scale than we thought yep and is more violent than we anticipated and I think I'm watching myself and other people just reeling from the emotional toll it's taking Mm -hmm. to know that that's kind of the world that we're living in right now Mm -hmm. and then in my personal world I haven't been alone in like 21 days. Wow. So yesterday I booked myself two nights in in a place on Airbnb that I found called Cabin in the Middle of the Woods or like Desolate <laughs> Cabin or like Lonely, something like that, Lonely Cabin in the Middle of the Woods. Like no running water, no electricity, no Wi-Fi, no cell service. Perfect. In the middle of uh, the woods, like 150 acres of woodland. And I'm taking PD, and I'm going just the two of us. When PD, uh, Labor Day weekend. Awesome. And I'm just gonna like be there reading yeah. books. And everyone, I I put on my Facebook page like any book recommendations, and I got like a hundred recommendations. Cool. Uh, so I'm really excited to just bring a stack of books, my hiking boots, and PD, and just and like two gallons of water. Yeah, <laughs> maybe three. That'll be so great. I'm really excited. I'm looking forward. It's still to like that a while away, but for you. I really need it. You do need it. And it's on Labor Day, which is perfect. Yeah. It's like, yes, I'm not working that day. I'm just going to. No. Get out. Relax. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. 
I feel like the podcast that we do after that, you're going to be like... So blissy. Yeah. Well, and but right before... So right before I go, I'll have just come back from a bachelorette party where I am managing the whole thing. Oh. So like super high stress. And then I'll go to this cabin in the woods and then... Like, two days later, I'm leaving for five days to go to my brother-in-law's wedding, which is a nine-hour drive, and we're driving with my (laughs) in-laws. So, like, (laughs) it's going to be a lot of people all the time. Yeah, so you needed that break, right? I really need that break built in, and I'm so desperately looking forward to being alone. (laughs) Yeah. Any book that you're really looking forward to of all those of the stacks? Oh, man. People gave me so many interesting ones, but I love horror books. I I also love scaring myself. So the idea of being in like a really dark (laughs) wooded area in a cabin by myself and reading a horror book sounds very appealing to me. Yeah. And also kind of scary. I'm also intimidated by it. (laughs) But um, let's see. The, The ones that people gave me that I'm looking forward to the most... Bird bone, I think, is one that someone suggested. Oh man, my age, my Hennepin County Library list is long mm-hmm. at this point. But um, bird bone, and there's one that's called like NS zero twenty four A. Wow, I I can totally guess what that yeah, one's about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that one's about either. But um, yeah, blackout is one. Oh man, so many, so many on hold. Also, I also owe fifteen dollars to the library. <laughs> oh, Bird Box, Bird Box is one. Um, N zero S four A two, which is a license plate, I think. Okay. But that's like a horror novel. Uh, the Rise and Fall of D O D O. So, I don't know. Good we'll stuff. Find out. Yeah. yeah, we will find out. I want, I want a report. <laughs> I will give you a full report. Cool. Um, well, until that lovely vacation happens, let's uh, let's talk about some sweat and BO. Sounds good. I'm going to, I think uh, we're not really going to do that, like, all Lucia, all Hannah thing. I think it's going to be more informal than that. But I did want to give a definition of what sweat is. So, sweat is moisture exuded through the pores of the skin. <laughs> Typically in profuse quantities as a reaction to heat, physical exertion, fever, or fear. I love that. And I'd like to go a little bit deeper, literally. What is a sweat gland? A small gland that secretes sweat situated in the dermis of the skin. Such glands are found over most of the body and have a simple coiled tubular structure. Yeah, they look like a bunch of knotted up yarn with a a long string coming out that ends out your skin ends the outside of your skin it's also cute it's really cute it looks like a tie it looks like a kitty like played with yarn and got it all tangled up (laughs) um yeah and also we have 2.6 million sweat glands in our skin average person has that much sweat glands um and they're distributed evenly over your body except for on your lips your nipples and your genitals Oh, your external genitals. Sure. I guess your in- internal genitals can still sweat. <laughs> wow. I don't know if that's true, but that's it's specified external. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, there's also two types of sweat glands, the eccrine and apocrine. The eccrine or eccrine uh, are the ones that are found all over most of the body, particularly on the palms of your hands, soles of the feet, and your forehead. And the apocrine or 
apocrine are mostly in your armpits and your anal genital area. There you go. Uh, so, and they typically end in hair follicles rather than just pores. Uh huh. So, hairy and sweaty, I guess. <laughs> hairy and sweaty butts. Um, and the two glands are different in size, um, and the age they become active is different. So, the ones that are active from birth of the eccrine glands, the ones that are all over your body, and the ones that become active later in your armpits and your genitals, that's only active after puberty, which is why during puberty people are very stinky. Yeah. And that's why kids don't smell when they sweat. Mm -hmm. They smell like body sweat, but they don't smell like odorous right. body sweat. Um, a little more about actual sweating itself, the, the actual like liquid that comes out, it's similar to plasma in that it's mostly water and has high concentrations of sodium and chloride and a low concentration of potassium, but doesn't have any of the proteins or fatty acids that you would normally find in actual plasma. So the fluid itself, um, the source of the fluid is in the spaces between the cells, which gets the fluid from the blood vessels in the dermis. So it like pulls it out as it's coming up towards the skin and it goes through the whole coiled portion and then straight through the duct and out your body. Bodies are so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And our sweat is going to do a few different things. It helps regulate body temperature, which makes sense, right, for sweating when it's hot outside. It eliminates toxins. Uh, it eliminates toxins, specifically water-soluble toxins, so toxins that can be leaving through the sweat, through pee, through feces. Um, and it can also help maintain the pH balance of our skin, which there's some evidence showing that that can help regulate um, like a viral load or even bacterial load on the skin. So it's protective. It's helping maintain the health of one of your protective barriers against invaders like bacteria and viruses. Mm -hmm. um, this is interesting uh, that I didn't, I didn't realize this, but you're sweating all the time. Whoa. Yeah. So I think some people think of it as some active activity that only happens after you've like activated something after you've gotten your blood pumping yeah but you're actually sweating all the time so you can be under low sweat production or high sweat production low is when you don't really notice it because most of the actual liquid that you would have is reabsorbed as it goes through the straight part of the tube mm. so it's always actively happening down in the little knotted part but when it's supposed to be coming out through your pore it tends to get reabsorbed first and you're just doing that all the time <laughs> like what the heck like right now right now <laughs> and then when you're in high sweat production so if you're exercising or it's just hot outside then this, there's not enough time to reabsorb all the sodium and the chloride from the secretion so a lot of it makes to the surface and then some of that can wash off other of it will just like dry on your skin and leave that salty sticky mm -hmm. stuff that Petey likes to lick off my arms and legs <laughs> and that's why it's important too when you're thinking about if you are in the situations where you're sweating more makes sense logically why people would say okay think about replacing electrolytes get in that sodium and magnesium and other um, electrolytes because they are literally leaving your body and in higher amounts when they're when that sweat production is turned up and ramped right. up. Right. There's no time to reabsorb them. Mm -hmm. um, the maximum volume of sweat that a person who is not adapted to a hot climate can produce is about a liter per hour. So like us, people in Minnesota. Yep. Um, but if you move to a hot climate, such as like the desert, southwest, or a tropical area, you can actually 
increase your ability to produce sweat to two to three liters per hour within six weeks of moving to that place. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And that that's sort of the max that people can produce. Okay. But that's so much more. That's really fast, too. Yeah. Within six weeks, you can adapt. A month and a half that you're just, like, grooving mm-hmm. in uh, the south of Florida. Right. But you won't adapt right away. So don't worry if you feel really uncomfortable and you move to a super hot climate and you just can't keep up with cooling your body and you need more time in the shade. Mm-hmm. That's normal. <laughs> you should be experiencing that. Um, so... The other thing, too, is that sweat is, like, one of your best AC systems that your body has. It's, like, a really good way for you to cool your body down. Um, But not all of it is done through sweat. Some is directly radiated off the skin. Some of your body heat is directly radiated off the skin. Um, And some is lost through the respiratory surface of the lungs. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. We're learning so much today. I know. Sweat is amazing. Yeah. This uh, subject was like off the cuff. I was like, what if we just talk about sweat? There's so much. There's I so can, much. There's so much. Because skin is so cool. Yes, it is. And the way that the body regulates temperature, like the way that your skin is actively regulating your internal temperature is incredible. Right. We think of skin, I feel like we think of skin in a similar way to how we think about bones. And we talked about bones in an episode probably like 10 episodes ago where we think they're really static. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it does something but not really that much. Uh-uh. It's reacting to your environment and like regulating you all the time. Yeah. One of the major influences on the whether or not the sweat actually evaporates off your body is the relative humidity of the air, which is why we feel so sticky when it's humid because your sweat will accumulate on the skin and because there's the air around you has already reached a saturation point, you can't actually release any of that water into the air. Mm. You just feel like so sweaty and just trapped versus if you go somewhere like Arizona and it's super hot but it's really, really dry, you'll sweat and actually release that water into the air so you don't notice it as much. Sure. And it's more, it, your body's better at getting rid of it. Also means you're you might be producing more sweat and not realizing it and actually be dehydrating without under, without knowing or noticing that you're doing it. Right. Yep. I wanted to speak to what you were talking about before. Um, it made me remember a little instance that I had. I lived in Nicaragua for a summer when I was like 18 or 17. I was like a, a teenager. I lived there for a summer. And I lived with the host family. And in Nicaragua, where I was, was very, very hot all the time. And... As, like, being the little American I was and, like, with Americans that were, like, there and coming through, I feel like how we cope with heat is we say, like, shorts and T-shirts and Mm -hmm. short sleeves and tank tops. It was so interesting being with my host family who could wear jeans all the time and wore long sleeve shirts. And now it makes sense where they were blocking exposure to the sun and just keeping their skin actually cool. But I remember coming home for lunch on a really hot day and they had made soup. They made a like hot soup, like really hot soup, and I was like, up, up, up for it. But I was like, like, you know, very interested why it was hot soup on like one of the hottest of days. And they're like, well, if you eat hot soup, you sweat, and that makes you cool. Interesting. So interesting. <laughs> I mean, the logic is there. It is, and I was like, I believe it. Also, like, oh my gosh, one more hot thing. Yeah, I can't. My mouth. Yeah, I was like, let me let, let me let my mouth be cool. If I could like sit in a pool of cold water and, and then eat soup, that would be kind of ideal. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the things that now that we know. Okay, here's how, what sweating is. Here's how it works. Here's what it's for. What are some things that people might be curious about? Um, first things first, 
excessive sweating. Yeah. Well, let me just start off by saying that there, there is a major difference between excessive sweating, like diagnosed excessive sweating, and what people might consider excessive sweating. Because <laughs> I think for some reason sweat is an embarrassment to a lot of people, like mm-hmm. the idea of sweating in a situation where you're not exercising or sweating too much or a lot when you're exercising. Or I know a lot of performers who are like, I just wish I could stop sweating on stage. Um, that's not necessarily excessive sweating. Excessive sweating is is like mostly on the palms of your hands or feet or in your armpits. And it, it's not caused by physical or emotional activity. It's just constant. Mm-hmm. Um, and those that's called uh, diaphoresis or hyperhidrosis. Hyperhidrosis. Yep. And the there's not really a known cause, but some connections have been shown between like hormonal problems, um, thyroid issues, maybe like certain foods. Like if you're drinking a lot of coffee, mm-hmm. or if you're taking a certain or, medication, causes excessive sweating. Or energy drinks, like other caffeine-containing yep. products. Or overactivity of the sympathetic nervous system. Yep. So if you're just like unable, maybe if you had adrenal fatigue, that would be part of it. I don't know. Yeah, if there's adrenal adrenal hyperfunction before hypofunction, yeah. that could be related. And or you're just always on edge. Yep, and that that also relates to I think some of the what you're talking about with excessive thyroid, so hyperthyroid function. And that on the flip side, you know, for someone who feels like, oh, I never sweat or I don't sweat very much, and that's actually me, and historically has been me. I'm not much of a sweater. I'm the opposite. I'm I'm much <laughs> of a sweater. Right. So if you're not much of a sweater. <laughs> Not that the kind you wear. Um, that could be indicating, and it's not. It, there can be a correlation. So of course, go see a doctor. But there can be a correlation with hypofunction of the thyroid. And I have Hashimoto's, so that means that I have underfunctioning of my thyroid gland. So just you know, know that there can be a connection between that thyroid and the thyroid hormones in general are regulating kind of energy output and intake and all that. Yeah. So if you're having a hard time actually breaking a sweat when you should be. Or if you're just sweating and there's no real reason for it, you know, go check out a doc. Yep. Go talk to the doctor and see what's up because those are slightly unusual symptoms. You might want to look into them a little bit more. But if you're, like, working out a lot and you just tend to sweat more than the person next to you, that's actually not necessarily a bad thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, um, studies about sweat and physical activity have shown that people who are really fit or really athletic tend to break a sweat sooner and are more efficient in sweating than people around them who are not as active. So that could mean maybe you can just claim that you're actually more fit if you're sweating all the time. <laughs> For myself, I wish I could claim this. <laughs> but if you're sweating all the time or you break a sweat really, really quickly and you're really good at cooling your system down, that's just a sign that you've trained your body to do it better by actually being an active person. And I would say, too, that that can also, when we think about some of those other benefits of sweating, if there is some gentle gentle and mild detoxification that can come along, that could also potentially, again, correlation, be indicating that you might be a little bit more efficient at detoxifying your body, which is another wonderful sign of health and wellness. Yeah, there you go. I just have to give, before we talk about like stink, can I just tell you all the things that I think are the coolest about sweat? You always can tell me those things. So according to some studies that were done in the 30s and 40s by Japanese scientists, um, there is some demonstrative connections that you where you spend the first two years of your life dictates how much of the sweat glands you are actually born with will become activated 
So if you live in a really hot environment when you're young, your more of your sweat glands will become activated. You'll be more efficient at cooling yourself versus if you're like in an air-conditioned place or you're in a cool place for the first two years, you may not activate as many of your sweat glands and then you'll never be as good at <laughs> taking care of it, wow. which might explain why people feel like they're more cold adapted or hot adapted like people who are born in really hot environments they don't seem bothered they wear long sleeves and and long pants and they don't seem bothered by it drink soup to sweat exactly <laughs> whereas someone like coming from the north might go down and just be super inefficient the whole time and feeling like they're constantly overheating right so crazy that's really crazy so when you're a little kid so it's environment and Genetics, yeah, and yes. just the interplay between those, and you know, all all that can come from that. Yes. Okay. Other things I think are cool. Yeah. Um, according to a recent study, human sweat contains an antimicrobial protein dubbed dermicidin or dermcidin. I don't know how you would say that. That actually kills a wide range of bacteria. Yep. Which can help stave off infection. Yep, and that that goes back to help helping to maintain that pH balance of the skin. Yeah. So saying like, all right, bacteria, mm-mm, you're not gonna thrive here. Mm-mm. And this is something from all of my like digging in about skin health because of what kind of changed with my skin um, a couple years ago. I found some really cool, um, just anecdotal evidence. <laughs> Like when you're researching health online, like you inevitably end up on random forums. Yep, and just, you sure do. You do. And it's just, you know, you take that stuff with a grain of salt and you can do it literally. With this example, um, there was really cool evidence with people. Go ahead. Um, with people who lived closer to the sea and were able to swim in the ocean more and had more salt contact on their skin and how they found that that was actually beneficial to the health of their skin. And that makes sense. And I feel like every time if I have a cut on my hand and I go into the ocean, this is like a very infrequent thing for me, <laughs> but like, for example, I had shingles and I went to Greece wow. and I went in the ocean and like, I swear my shingles were gone in just a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. I, be- I believe it. I ended up even, like, making some salt water and putting it on my skin when I was having some breakouts um, that weren't just acne. And it, at the very least, reduced some of the redness when nice. nothing else was touching it. And I was slopping on all the coconut oil and anything else um, to put a shield on my skin. So it, it it's fascinating. Our skin is so strong and is always working for us. That's right. <laughs> just like women. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so true. Um, okay, the other thing I wanted to mention that I just found so cool and I wanted to talk about is I, I watched this little video online. Little video. <laughs> That's such a rude thing to say. It's just someone's like 16-minute video they made. It wasn't little <laughs> and it was really interesting. Um, they were interviewing somebody who's a scientist on skin and speci- specifically on evolution of skin. And they were talking about how if you look at our closest primate relatives, chimpanzees, gorillas, or at, like, the other relatives that we have outside of apes, like macaws, old world monkeys is what she said, we see that panting is the main mechanism by which they thermoregulate. So they dump most of their body heat through panting, just like a dog or a cat would. Um, but it, But we don't. And... Some of the research that this person has done suggests that maybe our most recent ancestors actually did. So, like, the first humans may have panted wow. instead of sweating. Um, but something changed over the course of human evolution, and there are a couple of hypotheses for why that's the case. So, 
Um, the first possibility is that basically we were able to ex- it enabled us to explore like a niche of time where there were no predators like during the middle of the day when it's really hot predator animals tend to find shade like lions hunt in a cooler temperatures right. in the night um or when they're able to access shade so during the day they tend to sleep under shady trees so by developing this like or evolving into being able to sweat we've actually tapped into like a new portion of when we can hunt and not be killed ourselves well that's powerful yeah that's kind of <laughs> crazy so that's one theory and then the other theory that they talked about that has been studied before is that um about two million years ago with the inception of genus homo there's evidence that suggests that humans started developed adaptations that made them better endurance runners so in order to be able to persist running hunting gathering we trim we generate a ton of body heat and we needed another way to dump the heat load, basically. So our bodies developed this other external way to do it through the skin versus through our mouths, which is so interesting because if you, if you have ever experienced running with your dog, mm-hmm. it's like they'll sprint and they can sprint super fast, but like long endurance sports are not a thing for dogs right. or for other panting animals because they just need to stop yep. and like lay on something and cool off and then they can sprint again right so you know we've developed this other thing where we can we're like the only endurance animals really that can go for long long periods of time and self-regulate this other in this other way which is also why we have less hair probably yeah (laughs) well we have so many sweat glands so many sweat glands so many yeah wow that was a really good 16 minute video it was really not, good not a little video it was a really good scientist too <laughs> and she was really interesting and i feel bad for calling it a little video why don't why don't we link to it in the show notes <laughs> okay sure um the other thing i was just like when you look up sweat or when you're like reading about it or, or looking at it you'll you'll you won't be able to avoid finding this article about um hippopotamus sweat because it turns out when a hippopotamus sweats they produce this like sticky pink substance in their sweat that's a natural sunscreen <gasps> for them yeah so it kind of coats their body in this natural oh. sunscreen i know and some i guess some scientists are trying to figure out a way how to make it something they can actually use in sunscreen for humans so we might get some like hippo lotion yeah one day. i mean it might be like some sticky pink hippo lotion we already get that from like emu oil glands we use like their oil secretions we do like, yeah for sunscreen yeah um not for sunscreen for just like general skin health and we also use snail goo like that Ooh, goo that they goo. like leave behind i believe Someone picked that up and just like wiped it on their skin one day. Yeah, and they're you like, know, in France. It, yep, no, that's where it's of where course. it started. It was in France. Of course. Yeah, we had they're obsessed it. with snails. We weirdos. had it in my in my family like once because um, a couple of my family members really struggled with like acne when they were teenagers, so we had it and I like, yeah. Did it work? I found it very soothing. I like tried it out. It's pretty expensive. So, yeah, like, you sure. get a little tiny well, bit and you <laughs> use the smallest amount, but it it I I saw it had an effect. So okay, yeah. interesting. Interesting. I just thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. But if you Google sweat, it's like one of the top things that comes up. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about body odor because I feel like it can also get a bad rep and people can feel really embarrassed about it and feel like they don't have like the ability to understand what's going on. And often I feel like when there's guilt and shame, it's because like there people are like trying to move around something instead of like moving through it. Yep. So I think we can move through the body odor and recognize some different reasons that it could be cropping up. Um, so one of the first ones that I want to say is that I think 
people, a lot of people can experience body odor, um, and it can be coming from the fact that their body might be under duress or stress. Mm. So coming from like like anxious sweat can often like hold more odor than just I've noticed normal that about myself. I if have, I'm really anxious, I feel like I smell different. Mm-hmm. I'm the same way. And actually, if I drink coffee, I am liable to have body odor. And if I'm coffee-free and caffeine-free, and coffee is going to contain caffeine, which is going to be affecting our adrenal glands. Our adrenal glands are are in charge of our stress hormones, right? So more caffeine coming in, more interplay with that change in stress hormones. I notice a complete correlation. So days I don't drink coffee, I don't smell bad. And days I do drink coffee, and I drink coffee, and then stressed out about something, I reek. Oh, yeah. I smell so bad. Yeah, and I feel like you tend to sweat more in your armpits and your crotch Mm -hmm. when you're really feeling that way, when you're, like, super, super anxious or or drinking way too much caffeine. Yep, and that's where those those two areas are going to be where those more – that other type of sweat gland tends to be. Yep. Um, So just know if you're stressed out and there's some body odor, that's, like, a fairly appropriate – response um i think again people are made to feel really dirty when they have body odor so they're told like okay it's because you have a lot of bacteria on your skin so go like clean it off and go scrub it off and go wear a bunch of deodorant that it's not really your skin so much there can be some some considerations with that bacteria load on the skin you actually want to be sweating because what we said sweat is going to help regulate the ph of your skin Mm -hmm. so you want to be able to sweat right i'll talk about antiperspirants in a minute um, and really, a bigger consideration would be changing out your clothes and just recognizing that that you know, if you have that ability to, maybe during a time where you're more stressed out, you just have that change of clothes where you're not feeling like you're reeking, and that can be something interesting with teenagers who might not want to be washing their clothes as much, or they have to, and their parents aren't doing it for them anymore, anything like that. Maybe changing out clothes and recognizing that the clothes can be holding on to that body odor Mm -hmm. more than what is being produced itself right it might not be just you yeah it might be you you needing to do your laundry yes and on top of that your shoes can hold it too your shoe oh god you know what my favorite thing is is like the stupidest mention but these little plastic balls that have deodorizing like powder inside them and you just stick them in your shoes stick them in your weightlifting shoes stick them and before you put them back in your bag and then your bag always smells like deodorant instead of like nasty old shoes well 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 it's a miracle and they cost like a dollar (laughs) so um now that we're talking about deodorant let's talk about that let's talk specifically about antiperspirant right we're talking about sweating um so here's a definition from wikipedia Um, which, you know, they had some good resources there. So antiperspirant tends to be an aluminum-based complex that is intended to react with electrolytes in the sweat to form a gel plug in the duct of the sweat gland. Mm. So you're actually plugging yourself up if you're applying a deodorant that contains an antiperspirant, which I have some feels about. Yep. (laughs) Yep. You might as well. I do have some feels about that. I have some feels about that because I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I was given like an extra strength deodorant when I was a teenager and it really like it like reversed my ability to sweat from my armpits efficiently (laughs) and now I'm always worried I'm gonna get like lymph cancer in my armpits because my armpits like don't sweat 
like they used to. Right. And it's, it's looking at, it's like compartmentalizing our bodies again, saying like, oops, we're embarrassed by how much we sweat and like maybe have like sweat stains on our clothes or our clothes look damp because we're sweating. So let's fix that problem and not recognize that it could be begetting additional issues and that our bodies are complex. And what else are we doing when we're sweating? We're detoxifying. Mm-hmm. So for now, we've taken away two major areas where we sweat a lot, like our armpits or underarms. Then we're also taking away the ability to potentially detoxify appropriately. And if we're not detoxifying appropriately, we might not have appropriate lymphatic flow through yeah. our system, which is what you're talking about right. when you're worried about those lymphatic, um, those lymph nodes that are closer to the armpits, that they aren't getting enough flow of the lymphatic fluid. And when there's not enough flow, there's a possibility of those lymph nodes getting infected and swollen and over time, potentially cancerous, all that stuff. Yeah. Let's not do that. No. And also, if you're, <laughs> if you're constantly using uh, antiperspirant, and it's actively clogging your pores and making it difficult for you to, to release odor through your armpits um, or impossible, then when you stop using it, like, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. It's only going to get worse because your body – and, it, like, think about it, it, it with anything. If you're, if you're um, overproducing endorphins, for example, because you're on a medication that produces endorphins or you're doing heroin, <laughs> for example, when you stop <laughs> – As an example. Yeah. When you stop using it, your body's ability to produce endorphin on its, on its own is deregulated. It's dysregulated. Right. So you won't produce as much as you need to. Um, same thing can happen in your armpits. If you're preventing your body from being able to utilize a function, it'll be overactive in trying to utilize that function. Then you stop using deodorant. The next thing you know, you're like a stinky old whatever. Yeah. So, antiperspirant, not deodorant. Yeah. Deodorant's fine. If you want to use deodorant, that's fine. That's totally your prerogative. If you like the smell of deodorant. Well, I mean, it's all fine, but I, I will. <laughs> I don't know. If, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I will say this. I am very anti antiperspirant. As am I, because I want our bodies to be regulating themselves yes. in the way that they're trying to regulate themselves without hijacking the system and then throwing the system off and then like probably treating symptoms that are coming up from the things that we're not allowing to happen. Also, I would warn people away from deodorants in addition to the deodorant and antiperspirants, because deodorants are going to have fragrances and chemicals added that I think are not safe to be putting on our skin and often can cause um, other reactions or be overwhelming to other people's systems. Mm -hmm. So people who have fragrance intolerances and people who are having actual reactions like migraines or itchy eyes or headaches or just can't be in an environment where there are fragrances and chemicals, deodorants can be one of those. Yeah. Like some like little, I'm going to use a little example of like a a teenage boy who's wearing a bunch of Axe spray. That can be physiologically overwhelming for some people who can't like handle that smell. else in their physics class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what is it doing to their body? Because there is not great regulation on what different um, consumer and like health care, skin care products are containing. No, that's true. So, Especially perfume. Right. And, and X would be considered just a perfume. Yes. And it has perfumes. It has fragrances. It has chemicals added into it to smell a certain way. When probably maybe the person could just be changing their clothes or washing their clothes more frequently right. to be getting rid of that bacteria that's probably getting lodged into the actual clothing itself. So you heard it here first, everybody. We don't mind if you stink because we'd rather you not wear deodorant antiperspirant than wear it. Or you could choose something like an all-natural 
deodorant. I just please don't wear antiperspirant. Like, I, yeah. From someone who has experienced a lifelong battle of now dealing with the side effects of the fact that I wore antiperspirant that was extra strong. Plus, I took Accutane, which like altered the. It literally like alters the way your pores function. Yes. On your face and armpits, um, but like especially on your armpits. I'm telling you, antiperspirant is not the joint. It's not something you really want to dive into. Like, mm-hmm. if you can replace your antiperspirant today, I would recommend that you do it. You can just buy, like, a Tom's or whatever, whatever brand you find at the co-op. It's, like, an organic, natural version. That's that's going to be a better step. But if you can, make your own or at home. Or just don't wear any and see what happens. Or don't wear any. Or recognize that or figure out, like, start to tune into your body and see when more of that odor comes up. And I would say that any factor that we've talked about so far would probably factor in. And then you can start to work around that. So maybe you wear deodorant on, like, a high-stress day. And the other days your pits are free. Yeah. (laughs) Free the pit. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, keep in mind, too, that the reason that you smell might not be because you're not wearing deodorant. Mm -hmm. There's definitely elements of that to it. But, like, I can wear deodorant and then sweat all day, and it's not going to make a damn difference mm-hmm. w- whether or not I wore deodorant that morning. It has a lot more to do with your stress levels, your food intake, your hydration, um, like, a hormone, imba- hormone imbalance, and your imbalances or whatever and than your, it does with your just general stench. And your gut flora balance mm. as well. I think that's a biggie, especially if anyone – um, is feeling like it's just all the time and they've tried all these other things and they just always smell, <laughs> I would look at potentially increasing probiotics, taking out more of those standard American refined foods, and potentially focusing in more on yeast balance in the gut and bacterial balance. So potentially candida or other yeasts um, because that, that body odor after you look at know hormones and being stressed out is is your body able to detoxify properly Mm -hmm. or is that body odor an indication that your body might be a little bit more toxic and it's not getting the tools it needs to overcome some of that toxicity right and you know there's some really great recipes out there for your own you can make stick deodorant with a little bit bit of beeswax you can make spray or roll on deodorant with like um coconut oil What's it called? What's coconut oil called when it's at room temperature? It's a liquid. I don't know the name for that. I mean, you can get MCT oil. That's just liquid. Well, you can get you can get coconut oil that way too. Like, yeah. you know, but from a skincare aisle, they they don't usually sell it. Sometimes they sell it like in the food aisle, but you can get small bottles of like coconut oil that's um, liquid at room temperature, and you can use that for homemade deodorants as well. Mm-hmm. Or, or, or any oil. Like, there's tons and tons that you can use. Jojoba or jojoba. I don't know which one it's called. Yeah. Um, avocado oil. Is, so if you have sensitivities to coconut, you don't have to use that. Um, you can use it by itself. You can use it with a little bit of essential oils. You can add a little bit of baking soda if you want. And at the co-op, they also make one that's called um, – they make an essential oil blend that's called antibacterial blend, mm-hmm. and it has some stuff in it that's, like, actively killing fungus too so it can help you if you tend to be a little bit smellier and you want to help kill some of that smelly fungus you can use it i'm telling you it's it works just as well for in my experience it works just as well Mm -hmm. you just got to be mindful that um like i would say this for any skincare product that's an that's a product and not something that your body naturally uses is you should 
use it and then change up your routine every once in a while because sometimes your skin can be reactive to overuse of a product as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you've been using coconut oil deodorant for two years, maybe it's time to change it out for a different oil just to give your, your skin a little bit of a break. Or at that point, too, if you've been doing that for so long, you might try just no deodorant and mm-hmm. see if your body's more ready for that at that point. Right. If it, has- it might be hard to go from using an antiperspirant deodorant blend to then, like, the next day not using anything. You might want an easier way out, but just because it might freak you out a little bit. Yeah. But there are ways to not wear deodorant and not be stinky. Yes. And for those people who have tried some of those, like, oil-based, homemade, or otherwise just, like, more crunchy deodorant options who do not enjoy oily pits or whose, like, clothes are stained by that. And I am one of those people. I, like, wish I could love it, but I don't, even though it actually, with the baking soda, works pretty well for me. Yeah. Um, Something that I've noticed has helped, and I wouldn't do this every day, but I do this on a day where I might have, like, more potential to be encountering body odor is doing like a swipe of um, apple cider vinegar under my armpits and that'll be acting from that like antibacterial anti-yeast um, just like skin pH balance standpoint awesome. and that's been nice where there's no like you don't have to worry about oil yeah yeah that's great and then you don't have to worry about did I pack my deodorant yeah um okay I just wanted to tell you this this article I read that there was a group of researchers in at the University of Bristol that found that 2% of people carry a rare version of the gene ABCC11 that prevents their armpits from producing an odor. 2% of people. Are they angels? They are <laughs> angels. But you know what's crazy is that in the study, almost all those people still used deodorant. Wow. What the heck? Because Social, it's cultural, it's cultural just programming. Built in. Yep. So, our challenge this week to you, listener, and this might be a hard challenge for you to do. So you can keep your stick around if you are feeling nervous about it. But we would love for you to try going deodorant, antiperspirant free for three days. Just try three days. Wake up, take a fresh shower. Don't put anything new on in your deodorant. And just take notice of like if you have a little bit of extra caffeine that day, do you notice the difference in the smell? If you're stressed, if you're relaxed, are you noticing anything about the way that you're um, producing body odor and the way that you're sweating in your armpits? And after three days, like, maybe make a decision. Like, do you want to continue using deodorant antiperspirant? Are you doing okay without it? Can you balance it? Do you know on more stressful days you can use it and some days you can go without? Try it. Yeah, give yourself a try. Yeah, and if you try it and are either successful or not successful, we still want to know about it. So you can you can tell us about it. You can tell us on Facebook at You Have a Body Podcast. Um, or you can tell us on Instagram that you have a body podcast or even Twitter. Twitter. That you have a body. There you go. <laughs> we would love that so much yeah. to hear about that. Um, I love that. Love that challenge. I think it's a really like easy to do challenge, but one that people have to be like aware of and thoughtful about yeah. to really notice what's going on. Um, I also want to speak to if you are noticing that you're sweating more because it is still summer and we're here in Minneapolis and I'm sure wherever you are, it's likely there are some sort of warmer temperatures there for the most part um think about replacing electrolytes and looking at your electrolyte balance as you're sweating and sweating more um that could be adding sea salt into water or getting some electrolyte tablets sugar-free would be my preference Mm -hmm. but everyone do what you need to do um or looking at some of the more cooling foods from like a traditional chinese medicine standpoint which would be things like cucumber watermelon asparagus Mm. strawberries or lettuce Ooh, that all sounds good. It all sounds like good summery food. So, Especially the watermelon. Yeah. So bring it in. 
Bring it in. <laughs> bring it in. Everyone, bring it in. Take a <laughs> knee. Time to talk about sweat. Yeah. Actually, it's time to be done talking about sweat. Oh. I know. This has been a great episode, though. It's been 50 power-packed minutes of uh, sweat talk. Sweat, sweat, sweat. <laughs> <laughs> if you have other questions about sweat, because there are lots, and there are also lots of myths about sweat we didn't really dive into here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh gosh, we could name some. Just right off the bat, sweating is not going to fix your... Uh, uh, <laughs> okay, just right off <laughs> the bat. Sweating is not going to fix your kidney stones. Yeah. Just right off the bat. Sweating is not going to get rid of your zits. No. Just right off the bat, sweating is not going to help you burn more calories. No. <laughs> just right off the bat. Just so you know, there are lots of myths about sweat. I understand where means. some of those myths are coming to or yes. coming from as well. But yeah. It's- Most of it is just like we talked about pop science. Most of it is pop science. It's yeah. just stuff that was taken. And really what they're talking about is the benefits of exercise and then making that seem like it's directly connected to sweat, which, of course, there's connections between exercise and sweat. But it would be a mistake to imagine that you could just sit in a sauna and get, reap the benefits of exercise. Right. So if you have some questions about sweat and you're wondering if they are a sweat myth and you need us to bust them up, <laughs> we want to do that for you. So message us. Send us a little note, and we would be happy to do that for you. And while we're busting those up, we're going to break a sweat. That's and right. And we're going to be proud of it. That's right. <laughs> but we won't assume that it's going to help our body in ways that we don't already understand. <laughs> thanks to science and research. Wow. Boom. <laughs> um, thanks always to uh, our sweat angel, Taj Ruler, for <laughs> producing this podcast for us. Because Lord knows we couldn't do without her. Nope. Sure couldn't. Sure couldn't. Thanks, Taj. Thanks, Taj. And thanks, Gaia, for bringing Taj to us. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, it's been it's been a day for all of us, hasn't it? Yeah. We'll catch you next week. That's right. On Sweat or No Sweat. You Have a Body Podcast. See ya. Bye. The You Have a Body Podcast is produced by me, Taj Ruler. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit noisepicnic.com for full episode information. Join in on the conversation at facebook.com slash you have a body podcast. Tweet at us at you have a body or find us on Instagram at you have a body podcast. Let us know what's going on with you, because guess what? You have a body.